This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, all right, it's the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is. Oh, yeah! It is Ian Wadley from. New Orleans, California, <laughs> and I'm from Miami Beach, Ohio, and we are here because you wanted it. You, you, the listener, you, that's listening right now. You need this shit, dude. When me and, Ian, when me and Ian get together, we're like electric dynamite. That's right. It's science, bitches. That's right, Ian. So we got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. What's going on? But while I'm in iTunes, I got so excited because I saw a new review was up. That always makes me happy. And then I saw it's not a new review. It's a redone review. This is this is the first time. And Ralph, uh, are you sitting down? Uh-oh. Yeah, I am uh, now. All right. Well, I need you to stand up, pull down your knickers, and get ready to have your ass lathered. Oh, fuck. These are my favorite type of reviews. When it's about kissing my ass, my ego needs it. Oh my God, this is one of the biggest ass kisses I've ever seen. Oh, jealousy will get you nowhere, Ian. <laughs> All right, well, before I get in, I just want to say this is a review that was done months ago, but updated by a tremendous fan of the show, Andrew Jacobs. Well, Andrew Jacobs, after Ian has to say what he's got to say, you lower your pants, because I'm ready to lather you, too. <laughs> All right, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the review, and then after I'm done, I'm going to tell you what changed. And this is a five-star review entitled Excellent Deep Catalog Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. It says, and I quote, I stumbled upon Rock and Metal Combat Podcast via a Facebook post for an episode where hosts Ralph and Ian discussed Black Sabbath's Headless Cross album. Black Sabbath is my favorite heavy metal band of all time, and Headless Cross has the distinction of being, in my humble opinion, the most criminally underrated album of all time. As of writing this, it is currently not available digitally and has never been available digitally to boot, and is damn near impossible to find. Any other podcast that covers also criminal... Criminally underrated Tony Martin era of Black Sabbath. Needless to say, now I'm aware of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast and their penchant for discussing less popular hard rock and heavy metal albums. Some other favorites of mine they've discussed include Black Sabbath's Born Again, Kiss Music from the Elder and Unmasked, Judas Priest Point of Entry, and Van Halen's A Different Kind of Truth. I'll be listening lots. You know, I'm not I'm not too happy that he hasn't lathered me yet. He oh. should have lathered me a little in the beginning. Little in the middle, little at the end. What, what, saving it for the end? Hold on, it's coming. All right. And if you have a penchant for the same, you should too. Now that is the review. But what? why But why you got your ass lathered is in the original review, it was exactly the same, except where he said hosts Ralph and Ian, he put hosts Ian and Ralph. And he oh, changed... Oh, I see what he did. He changed the whole thing to put your name first because he knows how important it is that you have top billing. 
So that makes this the gayest thing I've ever read that doesn't have Greg <laughs> Barnes' name in it. <laughs> so all he did was edit Ralph and Ian instead of Ian and Ralph. That's all he did. Yes. Why? Because I complained about that review in the past or something? Yes. yes. <laughs> that's some good shit there, man. Well, I, that, that, that's not enough for me to lather him, so keep your pants up. <laughs> but still, it's cool that you did that. Thank you. Yeah, I thought you would like the way, it. The way it should be. Oh, God. What a suck ass. But thank you, Andrew. You're a terrific fan. Yeah. And thank you for always spreading the word of the show. And, and thank you for getting it right. <laughs> I knew you would love it. All right. Well, before we get into the news, we got another disturbing topic that we have to discuss. And that is the bitch that we have on our Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, a I lot see of... I'm yawning because he's fucking boring. Or she, whatever. The it. Let's just refer to it as an it. Yes. I, I, th I, I think it's your mom. No. I, <laughs> trust me, I already asked. <laughs> yeah right. Um, and, and and my mom wouldn't have me banned. <laughs> but uh, you know, we talked about this an episode or two ago, Ralph. When you got banned, then uh, this past week I got banned. James Gilman just got banned today. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Holt got banned the other day. Fuck! God uh, damn, dude. Or, 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 or no, I don't know. He didn't get he didn't get banned, but he got he got reported. You know, and had to. You know, everybody gets different penalties and fines, but uh, somebody is snitching on the page, and if you listen to this fucking podcast, you know this is a dirty, filthy, you know, made for adults who have the minds of children, and sometimes there'll be a titty or something, and not even a lot. There's more titties now than ever because people get pissed because you can't post a titty. That's all you do, you know, that's, that's like having a drinking age. If you have a drinking age, it makes kids want to drink more. You know what I did yesterday? I put a picture of me sucking on a titty for about two minutes and deleted it. Yeah, I didn't get to see it. I didn't get yeah, to neither it. did the bitch. Or else <laughs> I would have got deleted. But I put it up and then I took it down. But, you know, the bitch is listening now. Ha <laughs> ha, get me, bitch. Well, I'll have to say, uh, I, I have my opinions of who this is. And I really don't think it's a... Well, we don't have that many women here in the first place. And if we do, they're party girls. <laughs> you know, there's no... There's yeah, no I, it, I don't it, it, think it's a girl. I think yeah. I think it's a girl. It's a guy that can't get girls. Yeah, yeah. And it's a guy that's hung like a girl. I so, banned one guy today, even though, you know, everybody thought he was the one reporting it. I don't know if he was or not. But he was making light of it and, uh, you know, saying something like, you know, oh, keep crying. And he kept saying it over and over and over again. I go, fuck this broken record. Right. I just deleted him because he was a shitster. And he's yeah. probably listening now. Dude, I, I don't know and I don't care if you're the person that started. But for a person to come on our page and like make light of what's happening to us with all this bullshit. Because I got banned for a few days. Ian got banned for a few days. James Gilman just got banned. This other guy got reprimanded. All this shit's going on because of some... And it really is a pain in the ass. Because I had to promote my, my radio show and I couldn't. I couldn't do a lot of things because I was banned because of this stupid asshole. So if you want to make light of it, I'm sorry. you got to go. You, you need to go. And that's one thing. I, Ian's a little more tolerant than me. I, I, am, I am trigger happy on this fucking thing <laughs> as far as deleting people. I love deleting people, especially people that love to stir shit. 
And um, fuck that guy. And I know he's listening now, so haha, fuck you. And hey, wait, what? Who was I just talking about? I already forgot. What else is going on? Oh, <laughs> uh, one last thing in closing. I will say this to people. Uh, Ralph's not kidding. Okay, if you think like, oh, Doctor Fucking's so wild and crazy. If you come on the page and start fucking with Ralph, and he doesn't know you, and and, and, and you. You know, fuck with them hard like your best friends or something, but you're not. Yeah. Ralph, Ralph will delete your ass, and I'm not gonna stop it. No, and I don't. I don't take that shit. Like Justin Childers and you and a few other people that I know. You guys can fuck with me, but some asshole I don't know. I'm sorry. Fuck you. If I don't fuck with you, you don't fuck with me. Because if you fuck with me, you gotta go. You just—it's right. that easy. It's that simple. You gotta go because. I treat people as they treat me. If I get to know you and we jab each other, that's fine because I do that with Ian, I do that with J- uh, with uh, Justin. But if some, you know, Joe Schmo shows up and starts like goofing on me, it's like uh, goodbye. Right. And I know they'll be, oh, Ralph's such a bitch, you can't take a joke. No, it's, I could take a joke, but not by bitches. And here's sw- something that everybody should understand, and Ian can testify to this. When I delete somebody. You become a distant memory real quick. Like, you don't even matter anymore. And I don't think about you anymore. Because I have just too much shit going on in my life. That when it comes to negative people and bitches on Facebook, it's like I don't have time to worry about you. That's why I eliminate you. Therefore, you're out out of sight, out of mind. Well, there you go. And the Facebook page is so much fun. Why would you want to take a chance and get your ass thrown out? Because it's a fun club to be in. Don't fuck it up. That's right. I will kick your nuts. There you go. And then I'll fuck your mother. Well, that I'll do anyway. <laughs> Even the people I like, I will fuck your mom. Yeah, true. And I do that for love. <laughs> but, you know, people I don't like, I'll fuck your mom and spit in their face, too. Yeah. All right. Well, fuck. Fuck. You're, you're absolutely right. We spent too much time on this douchebag. Let's get into the news. What do you say? All right. What's going on with the news? Holy shit. How about Vince Neil and Nick Cage? Holy shit. Yeah, what's that about? Well, it appears from what I read in the story, uh, it seems like Vince and Nick were partying. And a, a woman came up to uh, Nicholas Cage at the hotel and asked for his autograph. And while he's talking to her, getting ready to sign the autograph, supposedly Vince Neil comes up from behind, grabs the chick by the fucking hair, and yanks her down to the ground. That's crazy. And that you know is- what? As much as I defend Vince, I kind of believe he did that. Because Vince is like kind of like a belligerent drunk and, and well, I'll tell you in the video they both look drunk as fuck now the video takes place you don't see Vince pull the girl what supposedly happened was Nick dragged uh, not dragged but you know took Vince out of the hotel like fuck dude we gotta get out of here you're fucking you look what you just did I saw the video and, and, and Vince is kind of like Ugh. yeah Vince is like non-reactive Right, and, and people make it sound like there's a fight between those two, but it's, it's kind of a shouting match, and it's to me it looks like Vince is trying to go back in the hotel, and Nick is like, cool, and he kind of wraps. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think uh, Vince was going after Nick, but Nick kind of wraps up his arm. He's like, Vince, cool the fuck out. Don't yeah. do this. Right. And, but they both look drunk as fuck. And it's daylight. Yeah, yeah, this, this happened like... Uh, we're recording this on Friday. You're going to hear it on Sunday. But this happened at like 5 in the afternoon on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so a day drinker like me, I love this shit. 
Uh, but if that's really what what went down, then that that's horrible, Vince. There's no excuse. But I, I believe there is, uh, you know, passion. You know, Vince don't have a problem uh, knocking a bitch around. Uh, yeah, that's so. unfortunate, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but but again, I will say, you know, none of us were there. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, you know, this chick could have came up and been really belligerent stuff, and, and not to say that excuses what he did. But, you know, we're going by what we hear on TMZ, so... Yeah. You know, we don't... But what we do know is both of these guys were drunk as fuck, and I'm just... I, for one, even if I would get in a fight, I want to get drunk with Nick Cage and Vince Steele. Yeah, that sounds like a party. All right, what else? Next story. Uh, And this is one I know you would like to elaborate on, but uh, Dave Manichetti from Y&T recently came out and said... He's not a fan of these meet and greets. He thinks it's ripping off the fans, right. and and he would rather do that stuff for free. He feels like, hey, you you bought a concert ticket, you bought a T-shirt, you know, I I should be paying to meet you. You know, I'm lucky to have you here, and uh, I I kind of see both ends on this. Uh, well, I, I I don't I don't, but I'll say this: for him to say that, it's really commendable. You know what I mean? It's really nice for him to say. It. But seriously, what the fuck is... Why the fuck are people like Dave Manichetti and Metal Church just said the same thing? Oh, we're not going to rip off our fans. Uh, We'll go out there and meet anybody and say hi. And this and that. Yeah, well, dude, I mean, yeah. That's awesome that you're doing it. But bands that do charge, they're not putting a gun to the head of fans, okay? And what really pisses me off is that the bands are getting all the fucking bullshit for this. But the truth is, supply and demand. If it wasn't for the fans, bands wouldn't be doing this. If a guy has money to do it, why not? You know, I don't know. Rock. One guy even said to me, rock and roll is not a rich man. Heavy metal is not a rich man's game. It's like, when the, where the fuck? Where, show me where it says that. Show me the rules of heavy metal. Because as far as I'm concerned, heavy metal is for rich people, poor people, and middle class. It's for everybody, okay? If you can afford to go meet whoever and be backstage with them, do it. Now, a lot of people say, but how about us? We can't afford shit like that. Well, dude, that's unfortunate. But you know what? They make BMWs, and you and I can't afford it, but they still make them, don't they? Correct. And they make them for people that can't afford it. Now, in my experience, I would rather save a thousand bucks to meet Black Sabbath than save a thousand bucks to go toward a yacht. You know what I'm saying? It would mean it would mean more to me to spend five minutes with Tony Iommi than to spend a lifetime on a yacht. So anybody that's out there against me and agree, okay, fine, you're against it, but don't blame the band because if it wasn't for people putting down that money, bands wouldn't charge. So it, it really makes me sick how all oh, how bands do this to their fans. No, no band is putting a gun to the fans' head saying, buy this meet and greet. And I'm tired of fucking people blaming people over other people's actions. You know, and, and another thing is, it, it is a business. This is how, how they live. And in a lot of cases, if they don't do this, they can't afford to keep doing it. You know, because nobody's buying right. Even if you see somebody... Uh, like uh, Megadeth, had their, their new album was high charting. But what they don't understand is like, what is a high charting album now probably wouldn't be in the top 100 
20 years ago. Right. Uh, Vivian Campbell. Yeah. Came out and said that I forgive him. Yes. He says he's working with a past band of his, but won't reveal the identity. Oh, jeez. Who else could it be other than Sweet Savage, right? Well. Oh, oh Whitesnake. Well. Or, or River Dogs. Or. You're, you're, yeah, you're forgetting another one. Whoa. Dio? I, I don't know. Whoa. No, no. Shadow King. Who's, oh, that's with Lou Graham, right? Right. So. Did that even re get released? Yes, yes, okay. it got released. It, it, I mean, nobody heard it, you know, but uh, it did get released. I believe that was the first thing he did after uh, Whitesnake. I gotta say, that River Dogs was terrible. And then, then River Dogs came out, and like, I believe a month or two later, he was in Def Leppard. That was terrible. I went and I bought that River Dogs. Boy, that's a horrible album. I, I never heard it. What, I mean, is it light rock? Is it it's, air metal? No, it's, I don't know, man. It's like, yeah, it's like rock, but really lifeless shitty music and did you ever hear the the thing with Lou Graham no no that I never heard no I, I did see a funny post on Blabbermouth somebody put uh, Shadow King would do better if they had Kelly Hansen singing <laughs> yeah there you go so for those of you who don't know that is the current singer of uh, Foreigner and they're talking about reuniting with Lou Graham now Yes, for a 40th anniversary, yeah. all, all but one original member because he's is dead. Al yeah, is is alive. I believe the original bass player passed away, but everybody else is still around. That but but Foreigner is like the most faithless band in the world. Like I can you name one member of Foreigner that's not Mick Jones and Lou Graham? Oh no, seriously. <laughs> oh no, I can't either, man. Oh no. And as much as I would like to see, you know, because I'm that kind of guy, I would like the original people to be there. But, you know, we both saw, you, you know, we, I think we both saw Foreigner without Mick Jones even, and it sounded terrific. I, mean, I, saw, I saw it, like, not even a month ago. It, but and I also saw Foreigner. I saw Foreigner 4. Is that oh. the original lineup? Uh, ne well, uh, not not from the first, I, I think there was one or two changes by the time. Foreigner 4 was the first one, I believe, that didn't have the original lineup. I believe. I saw, I saw Foreigner 4 headline the Orange Bowl the day after Randy Rhodes died because Ozzy Osbourne was supposed to open. It was UFO, yeah. Pat Travers. No, it was Brian Adams, UFO, Ozzy Osbourne, and Foreigner was the lineup. But then when Randy got killed, Pat Travers took over the space. My uh, my friend uh, from Florida, Dave Uberbacher, had tickets for that show. I went. I, yes. went, for, I went for Ozzy, but... Well, he didn't go because he was coming from Central Florida all the way, so he said, fuck it, didn't go. I ended up going anyway, even though I was very depressed and not one mention of Randy all day. Really, really depressed. But I did see that lineup, the 404. The show was done by 6 p.m. Well, I I'll tell you this. Out of all the bands in the past, if it's not Sweet Savage, the, it, the way he's in kind of a hard rock mood right now, I would love to see him write something with Whitesnake, but I really doubt that because they have Dave Hol Holmstra on guitar, who is phenomenal, and they have Red Beach. So I really doubt it's Whitesnake, but I would love to hear what he could do with them now that he's in a uh, you know a metal mood. Even even though I mean Whitesnake's not really a metal band; they're more like a blues hard rock band. But I think he's on fire right now with Last of Line. I think he could add a spark to Whitesnake. Here's but a little here's a little trivia for you. 
Okay. Uh, you know, as we all know, Vivian Campbell, along with just basically about everybody in that band, other than v Vandenberg, who did play the solo on Here I Go Again, right. none of them played on the White Snake album. True. Because True. it's uh, Dunbar, Murray, Sykes, and Coverdale. But right. did you know that that lineup with Vivian Campbell did record one song with White Snake? They're a little tribute. Do you know what song that is? Uh, I could be wrong, but was it a radio version of one of those songs? It was a video version. May have been a radio version of Give Me All Your Love Tonight. There you go. If you remember that video, if you watch the video, right. they went in and re-recorded. It's Vivian Campbell doing the solo. It's actual that lineup, Aldridge, everybody. They re-recorded that song. I love that song, by the way. Yeah, I love that album. Crying in the Rain is one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah, no, I, I solo. Agree. Oh my God, John Sykes, man, he got really fucked. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, because he added a lot to that band. And really, without John Sykes, I don't think they ever would have broke over here. Yeah. All right, next story. Now, this is something I hope happens, and I, I, I feel bad saying this, but Steven Tyler has come out and said that uh, in 2017, if everybody's still alive, uh, you might be witnessing the Aerosmith farewell tour. You know what, and I and I hate for it to happen for the Aerosmith fans out there, but reality, I don't think, uh, come on, dude, it's amazing they're still going with, like, you know, you have Joey Kramer, who's fucking a mess, uh, the what's his face, uh, throat cancer, right, Tom oh, yeah. Hamilton? Tom, Tom Hamilton is, has beat it twice. Yeah, oh, it, it, they're really, really up there in age. And, and, and Steven Tyler's losing his fucking mind. And today, as we record this, is the 41st anniversary, I believe, of uh, Toys in the Attic. And, uh, dude, I put that album on today. And not only is that album flawless, but, man, it dawned on me how amazing that song, No More, No More, is. Oh, one of my all-time favorites. What an amazing song that is. Oh, I got to tell you a funny story about that. An ex-girlfriend of mine, who was big on winning radio contests and everything, they were giving away tickets, and I don't know if it was to Aerosmith or to somebody else, but they they would play a song. This is what this radio station did. They would play snippets of a song. You have to call in, give the name, and uh, it, you know, and you would win the tickets to whatever concert. Well, the song they played was No More, No More, and somebody got in right before her and said, oh, that's Aerosmith, No More. And and she uh, she called, and the guy's like, oh, we already have a win. She goes, no, 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 they got it wrong. It's not No More. It's no more, no more. They only <laughs> said no more. Yeah. And, and, and they gave it to her. They took it away from the you other know, And, and, and rightful, rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, rightfully if you're doing, so. if you're doing a contest, yeah, if you're doing a contest, fair. Like, fair, like, right? a, like, like, like if, uh, uh, oh, name this rap song. And the guy goes, oh, that's round. Right. You know? Exactly. But, uh, no, that is Uncle Salty. I mean, Uncle oh. Salty, round and round, you see me crying. Oh, you Fuck. see me crying. Oh, oh my God. God, what a amazing, sweet emotion and walk this way. It's so played out. I could do without those because of the play out factor. They are kind of like whatever. But, God damn, man, no more, no more. And round and round, how heavy is, round and round is kind of like nobody's fault part one. You know what I mean? Right. Aeros, you know, unfortunately, Aerosmith has really dug themselves into a fucked up hole where only people like you and I realize how great they once were because 
you know, the people that got into them during, you know, uh, uh, get a grip and shit like that, you know, right. all, oh yeah, I like pink and stuff. No, dude. Right. Well, like I told you when I saw them on the pump tour, well, you know, when they played, um, oh, God damn it, uh, off of uh, Train yeah. kept rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've yeah you told this story before. And, and, and nobody knew it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and a band that I kind of think is two bands I think are a lot alike are Guns N' Roses because you know Guns N' Roses were kind of like the Aerosmiths of the '80s, but again, like, like. You know, Appetite was like 70s Aerosmith. Now, if you go see Guns N' Roses, you're seeing like Get a Grip Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think they should end it. They, they should end it while they can all still do it. You know, it, it's as fucked up as I think Steven Tyler is and can't stand this fucking country shit and his like, he's bigger than everybody else attitude. The man can still deliver. No, I, I, I was about to say that. I saw the last two Aerosmith tours and one was because of some chick. I went, whatever. Sammy Hagar open, believe it or not. What? No, he no, no, no. I think you got that a little mixed up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, Aerosmith open. That's right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and there then the go. next time I went, uh, Cheap Trick open, and that's the main reason I went. And Vince right. Neil came out and completely butchered. He's a whore. <laughs> with, oh, uh, wow. But still, it was cool to see a drunk Vince Neil up on stage with uh, which you can see on YouTube. But let me tell you, both times, I was so impressed with Steven Tyler. On both shows, the guy still got such an amazing voice, such an amazing front man. He's great. He's amazing. I think that guy is phenomenal. You know, right. and yeah, he's whacked out. He's getting old, and his brain's going mush. But you know, it, I'll go see it, dude. I will. I I just hope they don't. If they do a farewell tour, please don't do a new album. You know. Yeah. Just yeah. go out as a nostalgia thing. Yes, we're going to have to hear Loving in an Elevator and shit like that. But, you know, the last two times I saw him, dude, they played Combination, which yeah. I was like, holy fuck. Right. Now, you talk about a deep track. Yeah, and, and you're right. I hope they don't do it because, you know, I saw a great interview with Brad Whitford where, you know, he spoke of the last album. Uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, music from Another Dimension. I, I have yet to hear it. And, oh, it's, there's a couple good songs, I'm not going to lie, but all in all, it's, it's horrible, way too many ballads. But Brad Whitford said what he wanted to do is like, hey, none of this outside writer shit, you know, none of these, you know, the, the horns, the keyboards, the kitchen sink. Let's go in as like the band who wrote Rocks, you know, the the band who did Toys in the Attic. And, and let's go in there and do it. And he thought they were going to be able to do that with having Jack Douglas back on board on production. And he said nobody wanted to do it that way. He said not Jack Douglas, not the rest of the band. And he was blown away that nobody would want to do it like that. He's like, what, what, why, why are you all fighting me on this? Why can't we do it like we used to? Nobody wanted to do that. And uh, mm -hmm. that's so, so if their attitude is trying to do a, a hit machine, then yeah, no album, do a farewell tour. That I would probably go see. And I have, I only saw them once. I only saw the pump tour. I've never seen them since. But if it was a farewell and it was around here, I'd probably go. Uh, yeah, and a great example why drugs are good for some bands. That's right. All right, uh, our last story, and uh, man, speaking of a band who should fucking give it up, Kiss announced today uh, their summer tour. I, I think it's called uh, uh, We uh, Scabs Are Us. Yeah, no, it's it, it's a, yeah, it should be, but it's something like uh, Rock, not Rock the Nation, but something uh, Diluted. Yeah, Diluted. Any, anyway, oh my God, it, you should 
Have you seen the tour dates for this? Yeah, I was curious to see if it was coming my way. It's not. Yeah, but did you see where they're they are playing total, like like no like no major cities. They're playing like towns where nobody comes, where the theaters are going to be small, and they're trying to say like, hey, we're doing this to give people who normally don't get rock a chance. And I'm all for that because some people do, you know, they have to travel far if they want to see any shows. And uh, I, I, I feel for them. No, 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 I understand. And it is smart for kids to do this because obviously they can't, look, uh, unlike what some other popular podcast keeps pimping them as they can, they still sell out, out places. They can't do it on themselves. I don't care what anybody says. They have to play smaller venues. I saw them the last time I saw Kiss, and it was the last time. Unless Ace comes back, I I don't know. Maybe I'll go see him for free or with a good package, whatever. But man, it was half empty, and it was a it was a casino. It was like maybe uh I don't know five thousand probably holds five thousand. I'd say maximum thousand fifty. We're, we're in there. I mean, it was empty, man. It was, dude, I saw more people at the Creatures of the Night tour, well, and you know, and you know what they said about that tour, right? Well, Gene came out before the tour dates were announced. Uh, he came out and said in a new interview uh, again that putting Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer in the classic makeup is the right decision. And what I thought was so funny goes, he goes, you know, here we are on the top of Mount Olympus, you know, <laughs> bigger than we've ever been, and nobody holds up a sign that says. Where's Ace and Peter? Well, what, well I guess I'm going to go see them then. All right. Well, well, <laughs> I, I think everybody that goes, we should all fucking fuck it. Let's all pay to see kids again. And let's all take a sign that says, hey, where's Vinnie Vincent? Where's, you know, where's uh, Alan Schwarzberg? <laughs> exactly. You, you know, you you knew where I was going with that. I'm like, I got a where's Alan Schwarzberg? You know, I'm going to have like makeup of a platypus and hold it up. <laughs> where's where's that cannon? <laughs> but you know it is it is so sad that you know if they were really at the top of their game, they would not be doing what they're doing. They you know you would have three nights at the Forum, or you know four nights at Radio City, you know or you know you would be playing major markets and, and selling multiple nights. Dude, they are playing like uh, county fairs. You know, they're playing, like, small town. And I'm happy for the people in those towns. Like, hey, okay, you never get a rock concert. You know, like, the last time you got one was probably, like, Molly Hatchet and Fog Hat, you know, at Ribfest or something. You sure, know? I'd rather see that than kiss. Yeah, no, I hear you. But, you know, what I'm saying is, like, stop acting like you're bigger than what you are. If you, if you If you were at the top of your game, you would be playing major markets, major venues, and having sellouts. Well, you know, I mean... If you look at old Creatures of the Night footage, interviews, they, again, the, their interviews back then were talking like they're king shit. And their lives were crumbling. All, we know now in retrospect how bad it was. Like Paul Stanley, a famous quote was like, it's pretty bad when you throw out a guitar pick and it lands on the floor behind the audience. You know, he said that about the Creatures of the Tour. I saw the Creatures Tour, which, dude, it was pretty fucking empty, I got to tell you. It was a pretty sad sight to see the mighty kiss to play. This was West Palm Beach Auditorium, which was a big place. Dude, that shit, I mean, I'm telling you, only the floor, and it wasn't even that packed. There was nobody in the seats above. It was a general mission small floor area. Dude, that shit was like, that's the only people that were there. 
It was sad. Sad. And the Monster Tour was even less than that. Well, I'll tell you, you know, this is something I've never talked about because I'm, I'm embarrassed by it. But fuck it. Uh, you know, I might as well admit it. I did see Kiss on the Creatures Tour open up for Sammy Hagar. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, and, and nobody there... And they even came out and sat next to me in full makeup and watched Sammy Hagar with me. And and nobody even asked him for an autograph or nothing. You know, they just they just sat next to me and, you know, we smoked a joint. Well, I heard a lot of people were bothering kids to get backstage to meet Sammy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and well, one person, Mike Anthony. Mark. <laughs> All right, we're done with the news. What do you say? We get into the review of 1983 or 84's Boston. Well, well it depends on where you lived. If you lived in Europe, it was 83. If you lived in the U.S., it was 84. My first Accept album. Not my favorite, but it was the first one I bought. Uh, through the strength of the video, Balls to the Wall on MTV. Made me run out and get it. Uh, I'm not too fond of the album cover. But it does reflect some of the lyrics on this album. Because there's very, uh, let's say, uh, Halford-esque lyrics. <laughs> and that's because the lyrics were written by then Udo's girlfriend. No, 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 no. no. Why? No. no. Uh, uh, what's his name? Wolf? Uh, yeah, Will Paulman's wife. She oh, wasn't. Okay, okay. Yeah, she wasn't his wife then, but she was the manager of the band. Right, and she wrote a bulk of these lyrics, or all the lyrics? She, she, from this out, she, believe, I believe she wrote some lyrics on Restless and Wild, and from this point through, uh, what was it, the, uh, Dead Something or Other, what was the other album? Uh, Russian on. Roulette? No, 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 uh, through Death Row. Oh, Death Row. Okay. Yeah, from this, she wrote some on Restless and Wild, and from this album through Death Row, she wrote all the lyrics. All the lyrics? You mean she wrote yeah. all the lyrics on Balls to the Wall? She even wrote the lyrics for uh, Udo's Animal House were written by her. Wow, and I love that album. Yes, yes. I saw Accept for the first time on the Metal Heart Tour. Actually, I saw the Metal Heart Tour twice. I saw him headline with Keel and Helix, and I saw him open for Dio on the Intermission Tour. It wasn't no longer Sacred Heart, but it was still the Sacred Heart Dragon shit. And I gotta tell you, when I saw Except Headline, I never heard a better guitar tone in my life than what I heard that night with with uh, Wolf. No was, shit. Yeah, dude, it was the. I mean, I've seen Except on the Blood of the Nations, and even that Sportos show when they opened for Deal. I heard something about Sunrise. They had the best acoustics, and it was just, oh, the sound of his guitar was just so perfect. The best tone I ever heard in my life. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about Except for now. Before we get into the album, let's hear your story. Um, well, it's funny. The, the guy who turned me on to Accept, Mike Grafen, a uh, kid I went to high school with, but he would always talk about Balls to the Wall and London Leather Boys. And he would just, he would just sing the choruses to those at school. And I never really uh, checked them out. I just knew about them through him. And I didn't see the video for Balls to the Wall like when it came out. Uh, I did see it a few times later on when Headbangers Ball got bigger. 
I would see it every once in a while, and I always liked it. But for for whatever reason, I just I knew of except, but I never checked them out. And uh, I think the the first time I really got it except is when I bought the remaster of Balls to the Wall, which came out in two thousand one. And that was the first I, I never owned it except that until two thousand one. And then I bought the remaster that they did for Balls to the Wall. And really dug it, and that's when I started going back, you know? All right, why don't you take the first track? Okay, the title track, Balls to the Wall. Holy shit, this fucking riff. This is a riff set down from the metal gods. And it is just like... I don't know, there's... There's just like, when you hear this, how can you not headbang? And I, I remember there was a jukebox when I was in Florida. I was on a dart league, and... Uh, I went to this one, this one bar we'd play at every once in a while, had a compilation, uh, you know, of uh, like 80s heavy metal. And I would always play this song there because it was the only place in town where you found Accept. Even though it was Balls to the Wall, their biggest song, I would always play this. And some people would hate it, but I loved it because how can you hear this and not like, dun, 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 you know, just bang your head and the breakdown and the video. And this is just traditional metal at its finest. It's an anthem song and uh, it's it's got great lyrics. So it's not like cock-rocking lyrics. It's like, you know, rising up against your oppressor type shit. And it, it's just everything that I love about that era of metal. You know, from like 80 to 84 was some of the best metal ever because it didn't get poppy yet. It was still like just traditional metal like you had the prototype in the 70s you know with your Uriah Heep your Black Sabbath you know shit like that and then in the 80s you know Priest kind of came into to their own and, and you had Iron Maiden and you had you know all this kind of shit and a lot of except to me sounds like Judas Priest I think they borrow a lot from Judas Priest and the Scorpions but with you know, not in a bad way. Just in like, hey, this is good, solid, real metal, and you can't get much better than Boss to the Wall. It's their biggest song for a reason. I never get sick of it. An all-time classic. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, like the comparison. They're they are like, you mix up, you mix up, you get a mixer, a blender, and you put in Judas Priest and Scorpions, and throw in a lot of dirt. Because that's they, they bring a grittiness, a real dirtiness that doesn't you can't find in Priest and uh, and because there's certain things about Except and it's mostly Udo's voice that makes them so much grittier than these bands. They're heavy, but in a dirty way. When I bought, when I ran out and bought Balsa Wall, now Balsa Wall wasn't that easy to find back then. But when I finally did track it down and I took it home. After seeing that video quite a few times already, because it wasn't really MTV that showed it. They did show it, but not as much as Night Flight from USA Network. Right. They And they had, USA Network also had a show called Radio 1990, uh, which they would show, uh, on Wednesday, it, it was a show that was on every day. I mean, every I, weekday. I don't remember that. I remember yeah. Night Flight, but I don't oh, remember I, I'll show you. I have a lot of Radio 1990 stuff that I've put on YouTube. So anyway, I've seen Balls of the Wall maybe a dozen times already before I bought the album. 
when I put this album on, I was a little upset that the coolest part of the fucking song, or one of the coolest parts, is not in the video. That, hey man, that plug a bomb in everyone's yes. ass. Yeah. You, know? you know what I really love about that video? I haven't seen it in a while, but I gotta watch it again. Back then, it looked so real with all the headbangers against the wall and you see that wall falling down. I mean, you know it's a green screen, but you look, I, it looks so, it really did look like the wall was falling down on all these headbangers. You know, I just love the fuck out of that song and I love how it ends with the little mannequin Udo on the fucking wrecking ball. Right. Uh, amazing fucking song. Yes, it's, it's a goddamn classic and it's a riff that is just so legendary and I just want to give a fuck you and I, and I don't like saying fuck you to these people because I really do dig Beavis and Butthead, but fuck them for bashing this video. You know, one thing that really sucked about the 90s, how they would make these two little headbangers insult videos like uh, Accept Balls to the Wall or Merciful Fate, The Bell Witch. You know, it really did. It was kind of like, because it was so hip to hate metal. Right. It, they made fun of Balls of Wall. I don't know if you ever saw them. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Like, or, or, or Grim Reaper, you know, and shit like that. It's like, fuckers, you know, you know, if you're wearing a Metallica ACDC shirt, you got to like this shit. Hey, you got to like it. There's an episode where they make fun of uh, David Lee Roth, and then there's an episode where they get excited about Van Hagar. So it was definitely. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and dude, check this out. Here's the one that they're not bitching about too much. Was that horrible? Can't stop loving you, and they're like, "Oh yeah, 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 Van Halen, this is awesome!" Wow. You know? And I'm, I'm like, really? But that just shows you the prejudice of that day and age that came through yeah. that shit. And even like, yeah, okay, like I know you hate Winger, but like the backlash that Winger took from that shit when there was plenty of other bands that could have made fun of, but that's the one they picked. But it stuck like crazy and killed that band. Because Beavis and Butthead was so huge. I mean, I still love the show. I think it was great. No, I thought it was a great show, too. But, yeah, there were... Like, let me put it this way. If Pantera came out in the 80s, they would have made fun of it. But when Pantera was on Beavis and Butthead, they loved it. And that's okay. one of the greatest reviews ever. Pantera! Pantera, clean your room! Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Pantera's gonna cry! <laughs> yeah. You know, you it's know. like... Yeah, it's uh, fucking classic shit. But, but anyway. uh, I, I mean, they made it broke. I mean, like, a prime example of a band they broke, and I don't know how you feel about them or not, but White Zombie. Yeah, no, I actually like White Zombie. Yes, yeah. they did break White Zombie. Oh, oh, yeah, I mean, because that was, like, a big thing, and it was, like, a kiss of death. If, if, if Beavis and Butthead didn't like your video, like, it was just deemed not cool. But if they did, it was, man, what, you know, everybody loved it. But if they ragged you... And uh, that's unfortunate. But the funny thing is, you know, like Mike Judge wasn't even necessarily a huge metal fan. You yeah. know, it's just, it just that's how he wrote the characters. But it's like, it'd be like having Mr. T from Germany pick on bands. Right. He's going to pick on a lot of metal shit because that's not really his line of music. And it's the same thing with, uh, you know, with Mike Judge. It wasn't his wheelhouse. But it's something that was easy to pick on. So he would pick on shit where you, you would scratch your head if you were a metal fan. Like, why is he bragging on this? Or why does he like this shit and not that, you know? Right. But at that time, it was so popular. It, it had a lot of influence. And, yeah, people uh, really believe these two uh, moronic 
uh, cartoon characters and, and agreed with their taste in music. Right. Uh, uh, I don't know what the biggest selling death metal album is of all time now, but back then the biggest selling of all time was Covenant from uh, Morbid Angel. That had everything to do with their yeah. episode of watching God of Emptiness. Right. All to me, great. That, that exploded that album. I mean, in the death metal genre, which is very... I, I, honestly, I believe that is still the number one selling death metal album. It may be. I mean, I, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more, uh, Cannibal Corpse. No, no, I, I, I believe Cannibal Corpse is number two, but I believe Mormon Angel... Like, we're not talking overall discography. We're talking, like, single album. Yeah. I believe it's still Mormon Angel because of that. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, that's Balls to the Wall. And uh, now we're going to go into the next one. And, oh, my God, that riff. Dun, 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 dun. And that, if you listen closely, well, you don't even have to listen that closely. That beginning scream Udo does, which is a little buried because the, the guitar is much more overpowering it. But it's so high and screechy and so fucking metal. Now, this is a song back in the day where all my homophobic friends would chuckle at it. <laughs> London Leather Boys. This is a fag song, you know? You know, it's uh, to me, I find it to be like a uh, a, a, a call to arms, a, a unity, like, you know, a metalheads, because that's what we were back then. We wore leather. and I mean, if we had money. I didn't have money back then. I didn't have no leather back then. I wish I did. But, you know, I, I can fantasize that I was a London leather boy. Yeah, yeah. You were a Miami pleather boy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I wore jeans and t-shirts, you know. That's all I wore. You, you know, and, and vans. I used to wear those vans, those checkerboard vans back then, you know. Anyway, uh, I love this song. Uh, probably my second favorite uh, on the album. So heavy, so great. Great riff. It's just pure fucking metal uh and a standout track off the album and a, and a mainstay when you go see except i don't think this has ever been off the set list since this album i could be wrong but uh love it what do you think of loving the leather boys uh again this is one i talked about previously that mike grafen would always sing you know so i just i always knew the chorus that london leather boys um but then when i finally heard it, i was like oh fuck uh what a great fucking song. And, and part of me is like, you know, it's so gay, but so awesome. But the first thing that comes to mind to me when I hear this is, holy fuck, is this Judas Priest. Musically. It's kind of got that um, grinder, metal gods feel. Oh, yeah, yeah. To me, very this, British steel. Oh, this is very Judas Priest. And that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. But to me, this is like... Uh, this is one of those songs, like, if you could say, like, oh, this is them doing them, this is them doing them. Uh, this is totally Judas Priest to me. Uh, you know, you can, all, you can even hear, like, metal gods, and you know, it just, you know, like I said, nothing wrong with that. If it's good, you know, don't fix it. Uh, and I put so gay, so awesome, but then again, is it gay? I've read conflicting things on this. And on a few songs that are considered gay on this album. Now, here's the thing. Keep in mind, this is a woman who wrote the lyrics. And Wolf Hoffman himself says that they did do some kind of, like, gay lyrics to try to, you know, they wanted to get attention. And they knew this would get attention. But 
Also, they said at the time, gay wasn't as a big deal in Europe as it was over here. They're like, God, in the U.S., he's like, you people make such a big deal about it. But he went on to say, like, the whole album is about oppression, you know, and, and people who are oppressed, just like Balsa Walla, you know, they said that's like slaves, you know, taking up arms against their oppressor. And it was all about people who were held down and shit. But then if you ask the drummer, the drummer said the lyrics aren't about gays at all, but is actually about bikers in Europe and how the bikers were looked down upon. And if you read the lyrics and you think about that aspect, it's just talking about bikers. It really doesn't seem gay at all. I mean, you can kind of get like London Leather Boys. Okay, you think that evokes one thing. But if you listen to the lyrics and you think about bikers, it doesn't seem that gay. It just seems like, okay, we're bikers, we're underground. People don't like how we dress. People don't like how we do. So it's very much open up for interpretation. I can see both aspects. But when, when I read what the, the drummer Stephen Kaufman said about it, you know, uh, he's like, no, it was about bikers. It wasn't about gay people. But then... Like I said, Wolf Hoffman said there was gay stuff on here just to create controversy to promote the band. So it, it's up to you to decide what it is. And I heard also, this is, I heard this in my youth, that Accept, the name of the band, was supposed to be about accepting homosexuality. But, you know, I mean, that, that also I heard from some bonehead that thought London Leather Boys was a gay song. I never looked at this song as a gay song. I always thought it was like, now you bring up bikers, it makes a lot of sense. But I was thinking metalheads, you know. I'm thinking right. of the, the the new wave of British heavy metal. You right. know, those those people you see doing the air guitar with the cardboard guitar. I'm thinking of those people when I think of London Leather Boys, you know. Right. Now, I mean, I don't know where else, I mean, do you have this on, on, on uh, the remaster on CD? Or no, do you no. Just have the vinyl? I, you know what? I don't even have it on CD. I've, I've had the vinyl, and I've I've never bought the CD. Can you believe it? Does the vinyl have the lyrics? Actually, I got the album right here in front of me, and yes, it does bring the lyrics. And I'll recite the lyrics to London Leather Boys really quick. Uh, walking down the main street, I see a city, a city's face. Boys dressed in leather, girls dressed in lace. See the easy riders? They're roaring down their way. They need to give full speed ahead. You're right. It is about bikers. Right, it does make more sense if you look at it from a biker aspect. Yeah, see the easy riders, that right there. Right. They're roaring down the way. That's Right. It's about it's about fucking. You know what it is too? It's like you read the, you, you see the, the the lyrics. I mean the the name of the song. You right. can't really make out the lyrics and you look at the album cover. Well, here's here's the thing and I'll say this uh excuse me. You know, and again like, you know, growing up I was a child of the 80s and I love Culture Club when they came out. And yeah, Boy George dressed like a girl, but I didn't even know what gay was. You, you know, I had no idea. You know, I just like, oh, that's kind of funny. He dresses like a girl. But I didn't know he wanted boys. And I saw this album cover long before I ever bought the album. But you know what always attracted me visually? I always liked the fact that this guy was holding... A ball in his hand. I didn't look at the crotch. I didn't look at the leg. I always looked at the ball in his hand. And then the title, Balls to the Wall. 
And I always thought that was cool. I never associated it with gay. It never turned me on or did anything like that. I always looked at the balls on his hand. I was like, yeah, he's going to throw his balls at the wall. But I never thought like homo. So right. I, I, I think like some people see what they want to see a, a lot of times with, with a lot of things, you know, in music, movies, or arts. It's where your mind takes you. If you want to see gay, you're going to see gay. But to me, it was metal because this guy had a ball in his hand. I was like, how cool is that? I, I Gay was the furthest thing from my fucking mind. Yeah, know? well, unfortunately, like, you know, uh, by the time this came out, I was 18. So I was hanging out with a bunch of homophobes that were like, eh, they, they can't get into, like, you know, this uh, London Leather Boys. And you look at the album cover and it's like, oh, look, that's that means gay. No, well... Eh. And this is actually the first time I actually like really analyze the lyrics, because uh, I never did that even back in the day to disprove these people. But even though it, that wouldn't work, because they want to believe it's gay no matter what. Ralph, why don't you take the next song? Which next, is- the next song, and you know I'm I'm gonna try not to be so long-winded, but again, this is one of those empowering tunes, one of those songs that that I needed in my youth. And I and I totally like when we had the Twist Sister episode and when I talk about try and fight the good fight, I went all into this whole speech about how this improved my life. I totally forgot about Fight It Back. Because that's another song back then that inspired me. That I fucking love the fuck out of this song. It's fucking fast and heavy. It's the first heavy fast song on here. Uh and you know, it has that now if you hate it. You got to fight back, you know. I love that, you know, and uh, and and like those those uh, lyrics, like go piss on the accepted, screw them all, you know. And and another thing I fucking adore about the song, it was so original back then. There's two things, there's two parts of the song that's so fucking awesome. Is right before right before the second verse, Udo does this fucking screech that he sounds like a fucking insane metallic pig yeah yeah i can't i can't i can't fucking duplicate what he does he does this real weird like yeah yeah it's so fucking awesome i love it and so original and then right before the solo he does this insane high screech like like that same pig is being fucked up the ass by the guys in deliverance you know it is so killer I, every, every, every time Justin Childers hears that song, he cries and thinks about his dad. Yeah, in the tour shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, fight It Back, and very inspirational. But you know what? So was, uh, which I didn't mention, so was fucking, um, uh, what do you call, uh, Balls to the Wall. Yeah. Is another empowering song where it's like. Very much know, so. Yeah, it's a song that, you know, against society. And this, this is so lacking today. There's no bands doing this except for combat. I mean, I did it. I did. I, believe me, there's like four or five songs on the next album that has that. Mentally, I wrote songs to, you know, I just want to do empowering songs like positive tunes, but not not striper positive. More like fuck society positive type shit. So yeah, fight it back is one of those songs that needs to come back. And not only I can do it because, let's face it, combat's never gonna fucking be big. So. We need some band that's going to be huge. Write songs like this. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I love this. To me, it is 
through and through traditional metal at its finest. And what I love about this is it's an album track. It's not a single. You know, it, it doesn't have single potential. But it's just a very positive fucking song. You know, like overcoming whatever's holding you down. And I think a prime example, I, I'm going to agree with you a thousand percent, that you did with Combat was the song Demons. Yeah. And I was so happy that so many of our listeners who, who bought the, the, the Combat EP, a lot of people brought up Demons and said that that inspired them for many different reasons. And that's the beauty of music because there's so many things, you know, how you can interpret it. And, you know, just like some songs here are interpreted gay, you can, you know, whatever demon you had conquering you, a lot of people wrote it and so that was inspiring, whether it was to to quit smoking or to lose weight or, to, you know, to... Quit, to uh, I heard one guy quit drinking. Right. I, I mean, it, just to change negativity in your life, but to write a song that is so inspirational yet heavy at the same time it's like you know it's not like a, a, a heavy-handed message where you know it, it, it's not like the you know the uh, Sarah McLaughlin song you see in a dog you know in a <laughs> ASAP commercial you know where you're like oh crying no it's like uh, you know a, a song that's uplifting but makes you realize you have inner strength to change what is bothering you in your life and we, you know we mentioned this previously in the suicidal tendencies you know uh, 90% of life is what you make of it. So if your life sucks, you suck. Yeah. This is one of those songs that says, hey, you can't fix everything, but there's a lot of stuff in your life you can change just through positive, you, you know, your own positivity and, you know, taking charge of shit. Don't be a victim. You know, take that anger and do something. That's what this song does. That's what the combat song Demons does. And you're right, that is something missing because it started with grunge and it, man, it kept on. And it's hipper to feel sorry for yourself and to blame your parents than it is to take a look at yourself and realize, hey, there's something I can do to change my fucking life and to change my situation. I can't make everything perfect, but there's a lot of things I can do to, to, to make my life better and to head in a positive direction. And I love this song and I love Demons by Combat. Perfect examples of traditional metal with a great message. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And yeah, Demons, like I told everybody, Demons was about me quitting cigarettes. But if you listen to the lyrics, you wouldn't get that from it. But if you do really analyze the lyrics, it's actually a song about, hey, we all got demons. And, and uh, you know, beat the fuck out of your demons. And... Because the demon will never leave you. It'll always be in you. So it's your job to keep it under control. So that's where it's like demons locked in chains deep inside my brain. And there's a line that says, make the demon your bitch. And I swear to you, that's what made me quit cigarettes. Way before I wrote that song, I had that in my head. I'm like, I'm going to make these demons my bitch because I was dying for a cigarette. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. Fuck you, fucking demon. And then I soon wrote this song. And uh, and yeah, when I, I went online and I explained it to people, and you gotta remember at that time, uh, I came out of the hospital, I, I was forced to stop drinking, and there were people that were, uh, you know, they admitted to me they were alcoholics, and they couldn't stop drinking, and I inspired them. And then I 
told them about this song and they listened to the song because there's the videos up on YouTube and it really inspired them to quit drinking. And to me, man, that is like the ultimate, you know, compliment. Because, you know, bottom line is, you know, if you want to quit drinking, nobody's going to make you quit drinking but yourself. Nobody's going to make you quit smoking cigarettes but yourself. So, and this song is that way too because you can interpret this song as nicotine addiction or any type of addiction. It's like, if you hate it, you got to fight back because I love smoking, but I knew what it was doing to me. And I got to do something about this. So fight back. And there, there needs to be more of this in the world because it's all about burning churches today. Right. But I mean, here's the thing, like cigarettes had a big hold on your life. You were a big smoker for many years. Oh, my God. For decades. Yes. And it wasn't an easy thing. And that, and again, like, you know, I know we're kind of repeating ourselves, but, uh, but man, it, it's, it's all about, you know, I know this sounds gay, but I mean, like, turn that front upside down. Fucking take that bad shit and do something positive with it, man. And I wish there was more positive shit in metal. Yeah, uh, well, we still got this, man. And, you know, yeah. this is like, you know, it's lost on our generation, but at least we got it. And I think that's why yeah. our generation uh, wears our pants at, you know, hip level. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, when I was growing up listening to metal, uh... You know, it was it was a form of escapism uh, because I mean I mean you know let's be frankly I you know I was I was a teenager even like prepubescent teenager you know and but all this music did it was a form of escape but in a positive like either I was gonna get laid or I was gonna party or I was gonna slay some dragons but either way it took me somewhere else but I never got depressed listening to metal when i when i was growing up i never got depressed i mean you might you might hear the occasional power ballad that made you pawn for a girlfriend but there was never anything that made me hate life or want to kill myself or die or blame other people for my problems i enjoyed listening to heavy metal and had a lot of fun i'd probably be dead i'd probably be suicidal for one for metal Seriously, I really do mean that because not only metal, but music in general. Because uh, I'll give you an example, like Ride On from ACDC helped me through a lot of tough times. Um, and, and But then there's stuff like, you know, fight the good fight. I am on me. Fight it back. That, you know, when everything gets me down, it empowered me. It gave me this sense of hope that no matter what, you're not going to hold me down because I'm fucking Rob Vieira and everybody out there. Whatever the fuck your name is, you say it to yourself. I'm so and so, and fuck everybody. And if you got that attitude, you're gonna be free to do whatever the fuck you want. You do gotta contribute to society. There's certain things we gotta do. All right, we gotta pay rent. We gotta do something. All right, but then after that, you can do whatever the fuck you want, just as long as you listen to metal and don't get married. <laughs> and, and and that's something I really want to send out. Uh... To our younger fans and we do have a lot of younger fans you know probably because of our sense of humor but uh we do have a lot of fans that are still in the school and you know when you're in school everything seems epic you know like every fight with your parents is the end of the world every fight with your girlfriend or boyfriend is the end of the world but it's not and and and, and empowering stuff like this 
lets you know you're not alone. There's always shit in life that's going to beat you down. But, you know, it's almost like some Rocky shit. It's not how hard life hits you. It's how hard you hit back. And this song's a prime example. Yeah, I, I, I do want to bring up one one thing, too. And I always say this to somebody that's really depressed over a breakup. So if anybody out there had a breakup, and believe me, this is the way I feel. I mean, I haven't felt this way in a long time because, honestly, I, I mean, since 2010, well, 2011 was the last time I was heartbroken over a girl. I mean, that girl destroyed me so much that my girlfriends afterwards, I'd have fantasies of them getting gangbanged in front of me. <laughs> she destroyed me. She really warped me. But you know what I said to myself back then? And I said this to anybody that's listening right now that's heartbroken over a recent breakup. Think about the person that destroyed you before this breakup. Remember that person that broke your fucking heart and you were so miserable over that breakup? Think of that person and then think of yourself right now. What does that person mean to you now? Nothing. Nothing at all. So this person that you're broken up over, in the future she's going to mean nothing. Especially when the next bitch fucks you over. Exactly. <laughs> so remember that. If you're ever depressed, and I would say that to myself, okay, it sucks, and I can tell you, while I was going through the breakup, I was thinking to myself, this is what, I was thinking, God, I'm so depressed, it so sucks, but also my head was like, but in time, it'll be good, so hurry up time, it would frustrate me that I'd have to wait, but I knew that I was going to end up where I am today, I mean, no, I actually didn't know I was going to end up this warped, but, <laughs> but, but still, I, that last girl was so bad. That she destroyed my jealousy, which I guess is a good thing. I had one that really wrecked me, that really fucked me up. And what I learned, and it took me years, and hopefully it doesn't take other people years. It took me a long time to realize. But the obsession that I had with this person was unhealthy. Uh, that I put too much on another person for my happiness. And I know it's lame, you know, you hear that, oh, oh, you gotta love yourself before you love somebody else. That's really true. And if you look for somebody else to, to make everything right in your world, you will always be let down. You will always be heartbroken. You have to find something that makes you happy, and then you find somebody to share that with. Okay? Then that can work. But if you count on one other person, you know, for everything... Not only are you asking too much of them, but you will always be let down. Yeah, every, every yeah time. care about yourself first, man. It, it, exactly. And then find somebody that you can share it with. I yeah, mean, you know, I mean, look, look at Ian. Ian's ha happily in a relationship. You know, I and, and you know, I know many people that been in a relationship forever. Like my friend Carlos is going on 30 years with his wife. There, I mean, it happens. It, 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 look, my life is so good. I have so much goodness in my life that when it comes to my love life, it's a fucking disaster. But what do you want, man? It's like, goddamn, I can't have everything. So I'm like, I accept the fact that I'm never going to really get that soulmate and this and that. And I'm not depressed about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to give you a little sad story. The fact of the matter is, is that as long as you're content with yourself and you have inner happiness yes, and a girl to lick my ass, Everything will be good for the rest of my life. You know? and, and here's what you know. If, if you start dating a girl tomorrow and it heads south, you you know now with all your experience with everything, 
you, life will still go on. You will still be okay. You might be sad, but it's not the end of the world. No, it goes away too. That, the the yes. thing I want everybody to know, this depression you're having over this person, it goes away. You just yes. got it. Sometimes it takes a long fucking time, but yes. it will go away. And I say that to everybody that's depressed over a breakup. I go, think of the person before that person. What does that person mean to you? Nothing. Well, this is what this person's going to mean to you in time, you know? And I, I oh, and another big thing, I got to stress this. Never, ever jump into another relationship after a breakup because that is like a temporary solution to a permanent problem because yes. the only reason you're going with somebody is to forget about that person. So you're going with this person for all the wrong reasons. Right. You need to be in a relationship when the person like is great and you have a chemistry with, not, oh, I need to be with you so I can forget about this one because that one's not going to work. It's just, it's impossible. Right, and it's not fair to the other person because you're really using them. Exactly. So, you know... Uh, use them in another way. Like, you know, make them your spittoon. <laughs> okay, the next track is probably the one that gets stuck in my head the most. The most catchy tune on here, Head Over Heels. I love the living fuck out of this song. Um, I do remember it being played live on the Metal Heart tour both times. And uh, Blood of the Nations, they played it that night as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's an amazing song. What a great godly riff on this one. Ralph, I, I just want to ask you something real quick because I've never seen Accept. Unfortunately, they came through here, and I think they played with, like, Creator, and I couldn't make it. Yes, like, they oh worked my God. together a few years oh, ago. Oh, God. But how does Mark Trinillo do on the old songs? Amazing. Oh, amazing. Man. The guy has an amazing range. He does have that dirty type voice. He does it himself. See, here's the thing, and I'm gonna bring this up to get off subject. The best time I saw, I've seen Journey with Steve Perry. I did. Right. Once. Right. Once. But what, what, what tour? Uh, Frontiers. Okay, nice. Uh, baseball Stadium with uh, Aerosmith, uh, uh, Rock, Rock in a Hard Place, and opening Sammy Hagar. Ooh. And I, I, there was a couple bands in between, I can't remember who they were. And I still have the t-shirt, actually. Oh, oh, well, uh, probably it was like the Eagles and the Beatles that were opening up for Sammy Hagar. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, but at that time, he was bigger than them. <laughs> and uh, so, but what I'm getting at, Journey I saw afterwards with the Steve Algieri guy. Right. I've seen him with this little Filipino guy. It's all, to me, it's karaoke. But right. when I saw them with Jeff Scott Soto, see, Jeff Scott Soto doesn't sound like Steve Perry at all. But he did his own thing to these songs, and he made it work better than these Steve Perry clones. Of course, there's nobody better than Steve Perry for Journey. But the second best is the guy that goes in there, sings the songs properly, but not identical with its own style, and makes it work. That's what Mark does with Accept. He sings those old school songs his way, though it's still dirty and raunchy. Like, okay, a good example, too, is Brian Johnson. No, it's not as good as Bond. But he does it justice. You know, right. he sings those old ACDC songs where you're not like, this sucks. Right. You know, like, um, but there, there's other people that I hated. Or I, I, I thought John Bush did a great job on uh, on the Anthrax song. Yes, John Bush was amazing on, like, uh, with Indians, which I don't like Indians. I thought he did good. But, right. uh, yeah, but, you know, then there's some that, you know, I can't stand. 
Like, I can't stand Bruce Dickinson doing piano songs. And I love Bruce's voice. But I can't stand it, you know? But either way, let's get back to Head Over Heels. Very fucking catchy. And uh, what's up with that chorus? Why does he keep saying spurting? (laughs) You notice that? Yeah. Spurting way too much. It's like, what, is he coming? What the the fuck does that mean? Spurting head over heels? Like, spurting in the dark head over heels? And then he says spurting, uh, spurting, in, he says spurting again somewhere here. I'm looking through <laughs> the lyrics. It's like, what is exactly, I mean, a girl doesn't come like, oh, maybe she was a squirter. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. I love Head Over Heels. Uh, uh, catchiest tune. What do you think? I, I do as well. And this is one, uh, you know, I don't know when this episode's going to air, but I, you know, I put, you know, uh, an accept video up, you know, from this album on the, on the Facebook page. And a lot of people started talking about this album or what their favorite album, you know, from Accept is. But a lot of people mentioned this song, and it is a classic song. I wish it would have got released as a single. As far as I know, I don't even think London Leather Boys was a single. I think Balls to the Wall was the only single. But yeah, uh, right, because you know, I, I I don't remember anything else. You know, right, I remember right. London Leather Boys was played on Metal Shop. Right, right. But I, I mean, I don't believe there's a video for London Leather. No, there's not. Right. and But, uh, you know, this is one I think, you know, if this would have got a little bit more airplay, it would have caught a lot of people because a lot of people, you know, even there's, a, you find something, say, Balls of Walls are favorite, except most people go to Restless and Wild. Some people go to Metal Heart. Some people go to Blood of the Nations. But this is a song that everybody agrees upon. We're like, this is just a great song. And it is. It's traditional metal. It's a classic track with a great chorus. And to me, it signifies everything that was great about heavy metal in this, you know, in this year. You know, and, you know, like I said, it came out in December in Europe, uh, 83. It came out in January, 84 in the U.S. But there was so much great classic traditional metal at that time. And this is a perfect example of it. Love this track. Total total guy metal, too, because Chicks just couldn't get into not only Udo's voice, but, you know, his look. Right. This, this is a know, total guy thing. Oh, yeah, and, that, and that's why I always say this. The uglier the band, the better the music, because you have nothing to fall back on. Like, Poison could put out a horrible song, and Chicks will still love it because Brett Michaels is just so goddamn cute. But if you're an ugly band, and that's what I loved about, you know, the Stones. You know, the Stones were an ugly fucking band. They weren't cute like the Beatles. So you better come with a good fucking song, you know, if you want to get everybody. And this is a prime, and, you know, except is that a prime example of this. And could be a, a big reason why they never went to that next stage. It's because there's no girls trying to bang down Udo's door. Or anybody else in the band. So you better come with some great metal. But luckily for us, that's what they did. Alright, go to the next one. Alright, the next one. Losing More Than You Ever Had. Uh, A melodic rocker. This one is a little bit slower. Uh, When a lot of people talk about the difference between this and Restless and Wild, uh, they say this is the more commercial album. And in a way it is. But, uh... It's it's still awesome, but it's it's not as like molten metal as Restless and Wild. 
But this is them expanding a little bit, trying to fit in with some more of the popular, you know, metal in 84. Because there was some stuff that was more commercial, but still metal at the same time. And that's what I think this song is. It's a melodic, it's a great rocker. The only thing I have negative to say about this is the bad robot drums around the uh, the guitar solo. Like, you can tell, like, it's not, like, real drums. And it's like like, like one of those, like, Remo pads, you know, or electronic drums. That kind of gets on my nerves a little bit, but I still love the fucking song. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not too crazy about this one, Sorry, Truth. It's my least favorite on the album. I never oh, really, wow. Yeah, wow. I never really got into it. Um... Now, this, I think, is the first song that has gay lyrics. <laughs> you catch the gay lyric on this album, this song? Um, no, go ahead. Read it to me. <laughs> Hand in your coat and feel the stainless steel of your sword. I don't know about you, but that's very childerish, if you ask me. <laughs> it's, it's childish. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, it's pronounced childers. Oh, okay. Uh, but like, uh, like childo, like dildo, like a fucking dick. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But it's one of those songs that I don't hate. That hey, I can deal. I, Balls to the Wall is one of those albums I don't have to skip a track. You know, agree, even though agree. even though this song is like my least favorite and it's not up to par with the rest of them, it's my least favorite on the album. It's still decent enough to sit through. You know, that's all I can say about this one. But it it. This is the one song that really never, ever did anything for me. So uh, I'll go into the next one. Uh, Love Child. Perfect riffage. Now this is fucking total heavy metal. Pure, non-preservative metal riffage. You know? And uh, the lyrics. <laughs> you thought the last one was kind of gay. Feeling the power of lust when the guy's passing by. Hello. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, hey, Wolf. <laughs> your, Wolf, your wife's a whore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, but then you hear Udo singing and it's like, ooh. Yet, no, everybody's talking about London Leather Boys. Nobody, nobody like... Because Love Child, I don't know why the fuck Love Child. Nobody ever talks about Love Child. It's such a great song, and it's very controversial. Right. Uh, one of my favorites on here. I would put this up there, like, probably my third favorite. No, actually, no, it's not true. I put Balls of the Wall over this one. I have my fourth favorite. Uh, London Leather Boy 2, Balls of the Wall 3, that four. Number one's coming up. I love right. this song, gay or not. It's a great metal song. It is a little weird, but even, I just, I, you know, I remember when I was telling somebody, I go, oh, but the lyrics, feeling the power of lust. And this is this really metalhead duet I know. And he's like, dude, he doesn't say lust. He says lost, L-O-S-T, like feeling the power of lust. Yeah, yeah, no, he's wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm looking at the lyrics right now. Because <laughs> I was like, dude, I know it's lust. You know, I, I have the album. Because one thing I did back in the day, every time I bought an album, uh, I'll tell you this, when I would buy an album and there was no lyrics, I was always so disappointed. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because I love to buy an album, lay back, 
and read the lyrics the first time I listen to the album. It's like a tradition. I still do it. Even with CDs, I still do it. But this one, I remember kicking back and going, oh, whoa. <laughs> what the hell? But it's still, you know, like I said like I said earlier, London Leather Boy is not a gay song. And people are like, it's gay. I was like, mm, it's a gay, great song regardless. That's how I feel about Love Child. Love Child is an awesome song regardless of thinking Udo is feeling the power of lust when a guy's passing by. I love Love Child. And uh, uh, I love J uh, Justin Childers too, so, you know. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Love Child? All right, well, my initial notes are, you know, so gay but so awesome. But in hindsight, this is another song where, you know, I've, I've looked up interviews and what, you know, the bands had to say about it, you know, what the, the, the author had to say about it. And there's conflicting stuff. Um, if you if you read in the remasters, they talk about a song like where they describe sex, but from a woman's point of view. So if you think about that, a girl wrote this song, you know, but what's throwing you off is, is a man singing it. And what's so funny is it's Udo singing it. Yeah. The most like, non-gayest, like the most harshest. I mean, he's like a mixture of Bon Scott and Brian Johnson and, and you know, with some Lord of the Rings thrown in. Right, you exactly. know, you know, a little golem in there. Right. Precious. My you, precious you, love for the guys passing by. Yeehaw, yeehaw, yeehaw. <laughs> you know, uh, so like nothing he sings sounds gay to the ears, even like if you read the lyrics. But here's the thing, it it does sound gay if you think about like a man singing this, but if you think about it, a woman writing these lyrics, it sounds like a girl who likes a guy, but yet the other girls are attracted to him. Like, you know, like you're pawning for this guy or, you know, but you know, he's looking at another girl and shit like that. And it puts a whole nother spin on it. But it's so weird because you hear like a like really macho voice singing it. So like, is it gay or, or is it like a woman singing about a guy that she's attracted to that that's like into another chick? It kind of puts like a really spin, you know, and that's why I think it's kind of weird that, you know, here's, here, here's like a, a macho metal band, but yet a woman's writing the lyrics. I so just can't. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I, I really can't get over the fact that it's very gay. And but it doesn't bother me. But it's very gay. Right. It's okay. a guy singing it. You know. Yeah. Well, well here, here's the thing. Either way, I can give a frog's fat ass because it's a great song. Yeah, I agree. And and, and it doesn't make me do anything I don't want to do. You know, it reminds me when my son uh, was on the cusp of turning 16. He, he came to visit me here in New Orleans, and. Uh, you know, he was talking about my, my ex-mother-in-law, you know, you know, made him go to church all the time. And, and you know, and, and, and they're bitching about Judas Priest because the lead singer is a homosexual. You know, what he's going to do to all these young ears that hear all these homosexual lyrics. Or no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me back this. I fucked that up. So the, 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 the church is bitching about homosexuality. But my son's like in metal at this time. 
And I, I go, you like Judas Priest? And he goes, yeah, I love Judas Priest. I go, the lead singer, gay as fuck. It loves to suck cock. Loves to have a man's cock in his butt. I'm like, have you ever heard a Judas Priest song that made you want to have gay sex? And he goes, no. I'm like, well, then what the fuck are you worried about? I still, I don't know the song. I've even read the lyrics. I read the lyrics today through the whole thing while I'm listening to the song. And I still don't know if it's gay or not. But either way, I don't give a shit because I love the fucking track. Well, um, there there is a line in the song where he says, I don't know what I am, a woman or a man. You know, it's like, how much more did he have to beat you over the head to... Oh, I might have I might missed that one. Yeah, that's a line in the song. Don't know what I am, a uh, woman or a man, in many troubles behind me, I'm doing all I can. Which maybe sounds like a guy that's in the closet, I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Either way, I don't know. I, I've, I've listened to this song a bunch of times and i never kissed a Peter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've never felt that the I lust. didn't love. You know, they say that metal was very influential. In some cases they are, because I have sacrificed kids in the name of Slayer in a forest, but right. I have never, ever uh, felt the power of lust when a guy's passing by. But if you want to really get technical, I felt the power of bloodlust when I sacrificed little kids in the name of Satan. Well, there you go. All right, let's go to the next track. Uh, right. Turn Me On. Yes, sir. All right, I love this song, uh, but it really does show. This is like the first time, except did uh, bad English like the Scorps. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like other lyrics are pretty good, but this one is like it sounds very, very foreign. Like they don't, they, they right. ain't got English down packed. Right. And uh, but I really love this. This is a song that's blatantly you can tell Chick wrote it blatantly, and I'll explain why. It's the opening lyrics. <laughs> uh, this reminds me of girls I've dealt with all my life. The, 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 the really naughty ones. The naughty ones that were a pain in the ass. And uh, it's the, I, I feel like they all wrote this song. Check out these lyrics. I can't wait to get you down on the dirty floor. Yeah, that's happened. I know it ain't a place, but come on and close the door. Well, these chicks didn't care if close the door. They don't care. They don't care who walks in. I'm coming down for pleasure for head games all night long. Right there. I don't have to read no more. Head games. All these chicks I dealt with all played with head games. So that's where I think this. But it's a good song. Um, probably my second least favorite. You know. Uh, Turn me on. Turn me on. But it's still cool. I dig it. It's it's an all right tune. Uh like I said about, you know, uh, losing more than you've ever had. It's a song that's not, like, as good as the rest, but it, it, it it's not something I'll skip. What do you think? Uh, wow. <laughs> this was, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but we did a couple episodes, you know, where I hated it or you hated it. This is one, again, where we agree a lot. This is my least favorite track on the album, and I still like it. But that is a testament to the album uh, that I will I, I will never skip a track. And, you know, there is such a thing as album tracks, and this is one, you know. It's not going to get played live. But, uh, you know, th there's nothing about it that's so bad. You're going to skip it. You're like, okay, well, this is this song, and 
The next one's coming up. It's just... Um, I think it does have a godly riff, though. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. There's not one song on here, spoiler alert, where I'm like, oh, I gotta skip that. I mean, it's it's just, to me, it's solid mid-80s metal. Even the songs that don't shine as much as the other ones are still good, and there's there's something to be enjoyed. You know, like the riff, or you might love the guitar solo, but it might not be as catchy as the song before. But there's something on there that still keeps you listening, and, and that's how I feel about it. Even though it's my least favorite, I still like it. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, you want to take the next one? Sure. The next one is Losers and Winners. Uh, it's a hard-driving rocker. You know, uh, again, this is this is a song that's not a single. Would never be a single, but it's just, it's got a great riff. It's got a great groove. And it does, the album doesn't lose points. You know what I mean? It just it keeps checking along. It keeps your attention, but you know not every song's a single, and this is a prime example. A great song, but not my favorite. What do you think, Ralph? My favorite. Well, there you go. Definitely my favorite, and I've never seen them play this live with Udo. Yes, they played. Oh it. wow! They played it with Mark. They didn't play it with Udo though. Wow. And I'll tell you this too. Thanks to the spoiler alert. Uh, what is it? Set Setlist FM, whatever the fuck. Yes, I uh, love I love Setlist FM. Well, I I checked Setlist FM before Accept came to town, and they didn't play this. And then when I saw them, I wasn't expecting them to play this, and they played it. And I was like, holy shit, they're playing Losers and Winners because I didn't see that on the setlist. This song, and oh, uh, another thing I gotta say, back in the '80s, I used to make metal compilation CDs. I mean cassettes. So when we all drank at the beach, we'd be cranking, you know, metal mixes. And this, if an Accept song made it, it was definitely either this one, Metal Heart, or Too High to Get It Right, or Fast as a Shark. Those were the go-to songs that I would put on metal mixes because it just blended so well with other metal songs. And this song, um, I what, it I don't know exactly what it means, but what I get out of it is how I pick up chicks. You know, I, I, I really do identify, that's how I get, it's like, you know, the lyrics, the lyrics to this song say stuff like, you know, you, you, you told me that you want her, but you like her, but she doesn't want to know. You tried so hard to take her, but there's nowhere to go. I mean, I when I see a girl, nine times out of 10, girls always act like they're not interested. You know, they always, you know, it's very rare that a girl looks at me first. It's usually me looking at them and I go for it and I get shot down. But then a lot of times I don't, you know, and I've said this before in another episode and I'll say again, I go out when I, when I want to get a hot chick, this is what I do. And it always works. So take note, people out there, if you want to bang a hot girl, I don't care what you look like. It doesn't matter what you look like. You will get a hot girl. If you listen to what I say, every hot girl you see hit on them, but hit on them like, like, com- like with confidence, you will get shot down. Woo, you'll get shot down a lot, actually. But after, in my record, I mean, it's usually one out of 10 will actually like me and they not necessarily be attracted to me, but they will like me because I'm so confident. Chicks love 
Some chicks love confidence in guys. And some girls look at me going, this fucking guy thinks he can get me with this con- I like this guy. And it works, you know? I end up, look look at the chick I'm seeing now, man. The redhead. Oh, Come yeah. on, dude, way out of my league. But confidence got, yeah. got her. You know what I mean? So, um, and that, that's what I get out of this song. And and, uh, and I also like, you know, it, it's very inspirational for One Night Stands. And uh, I love the line. My, <laughs> my favorite line in the song is, and it doesn't even rhyme. Let me find the lyrics here. Uh, to pick up a broken heart, why don't you take it easy and screw the girl that's next to you? What the hell? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's why I get this song. Like, you know, you see a girl, you go for it. You know, and, you know, write a letter. And I, that's another thing I love about this song is those gang vocals. You feel better? Write a letter. It's so German, you know, it's like, you know, like, like Rammstein, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's got that German macho shit that I just fucking love. Yeah, favorite track off the album, and I'll take the next one, which is Guardian of the Night. Yes, sir. I love this song. Melodic, catchy as fuck, and yet still metal. Starts a little, you know, a, a little mellowish. But it, but it, but it has like that mid-tempo metal vibe. Um, different, a little different than the rest of the album, but still, it's a song that I fucking love. Uh, love it, and they did play this when I saw them headline the Metal Heart tour. I remember they threw this one out, and oh, nice. uh, I was nice. very happy about that one. I never would have expected that. Wow. Yes, this was actually on the headline set, Guardian of the wow. Light of the night and uh i love it what do you think uh i think it's great it's it's a solid track uh again to me it's an album track it's it's not a single but it's one of those ones like you know if you hear this you've got to hear this song and uh absolutely love it i'm really surprised they played it live though but i'm very happy to hear that and uh man i hope someday i get to see him with mark janillo and i hope they play this because I think it rocks. As we speak, Udo is doing a final accept tour. Uh, yes. Like, where he's doing nothing but accept songs. Yeah, he says it's going to be the last time he plays the accept song. And it's such a desperate move, but... Uh, I'll take him. it. Yeah. Oh, I would love to go. I don't I don't think it's coming to the U.S. Well, that's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, great. Yeah, great song. All right, take the last one. All right, the last song, Winter Dreams. Um, I love it. It is it is the power ballad of the album, but it's not Princess of the Dawn. If you if you know what I'm saying, and yeah. it, it doesn't mean that it's bad, but it's my second least favorite after Turn Me On. But I still like it. Don't get me wrong; I don't hate this song. But man, when they ended Restless and Wild with Princess of the Dawn, which is an all time metal class. I mean, that's a song that should be. I mean, if you make a a metal compilation. God damn, you should have Princess of the Dawn on there because that is just so awesome. And to me, a very, uh, you know, I've talked about how this band is very Judas Priest and very Scorpions. Princess of the Dawn to me is like very Saxon. I mean, I know they have Princess of the Night, you know, it's kind of like close title-wise, but like musically, I, you know, I thought that was a very, almost like a Saxon type song. Uh, 
but it, it's good. It's just not on that same level. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Motley Crue had a home run with Home Sweet Home, and then whatever the ballad was on fucking Girls, 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 you know, it wasn't Home Sweet Home, <laughs> you know? Uh, doesn't mean it's a horrible song, but this song is better than anything off of Girls, 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 I will say that. Uh, what do you I, yeah, I love this one, and yeah, th that's what I was thinking too. This was them trying to do another Princess of the Dawn type thing, but there's only one, you know what I mean? It's right. definitely not as good, right. but I do think it's a great epic song. I love the lyrics on this. It's so It sticks out like a sore thumb because... It, it's nothing like all the songs before it. All the songs before it are about lust and chicks and and gay people and, you know, uh, just, it's just, everything has such a different vibe that it just takes this, like, total left turn at the very end of the album and does a song that's n not like anything else on this album. But I think it's beautiful. I think it has a gorgeous ballad. I love Udo's voice on it. He kind of changes it to be a little more... You know, softer for right. Udo at least. Yeah, exactly. As soft as Udo can be. Yeah, exactly. But it does stick stick out like a sore thumb. But I do love Winter Dreams. I've always loved this one. Very deep track. Don't think I've ever seen them play this one live. But uh, that brings an end to this awesome, awesome album. And uh, what do you what your what are your notes on it, Ian? Uh, well, my notes. First of all, I want to say. Uh, this is a band that we've had a lot of requests for. You know, uh, this, this I would say, was number two to the Faith No More. Was a lot of people are like, when are you going to do Accept album? And a lot of people, of course, wanted to hear Restless and Wild. And we, we, we will do Restless and Wild. A lot of people wanted to hear what we thought about Metal Heart. We will get to Metal Heart. And I'll tell you another one we're definitely going to do is Blood of the Nations. Hey, if I was to shake the Magic 8-Ball... Blood of Nation is going to be the next one. Let's go to the notes for this album. Uh, it was their highest charting album in the U.S. at 74. Wow. Uh, it is the only gold album that Except has in the U.S. and Canada. In Canada, it went gold in 1985. And it took till 1990 to go gold in the U.S. Now think about that. That's six years after this fucker came out that it went gold. Right. So that just shows you how it was a slow burner, but it had a reputation among, you know, this is something metalheads would tell other metalheads. Like, hey, you need to check this shit out. It's a great album. And it is. Is it their best? No. Is it a great album? Yes. Uh, it was produced by the band and mixed by Michael Wagner, who has done so many fucking albums, from the, the the cock rock to the heavy. I mean, Michael Wagner's the same guy that fucking mixed Master of Puppets. What a, and, and what a great, great, great producer this guy is. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh amazing. And Restless and Wild. That The production on that album is like one of the best, heaviest albums ever. Did Michael Wagner produce that? I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, let me check here. I'm almost positive he did. Uh, no. No. Uh, no, except produced it, but he was the engineer and the mixer. Okay, once, well, he was Once involved. again. But, I, I mean, I mean, that's where Michael Wagner got his start, was, was, was mixing and engineering. He also went on to produce, but like I said, he's done everything from the heaviest 
to, you know, he also produced Warrant Dog Eat Dog. But, I mean, they're, they're all good-sounding records. I mean, he is an excellent producer, mixer, engineer, whatever he does, he does good, and he has an ear for it, and it runs the gamut of metal. I mean, really, do some research. There's some awesome interviews with uh, Michael Wagner on the Desmond podcast, our friends with him, and they do shit with him all Slave the time. Slave to the Grind, right? He did that one. Uh, no, yeah. that well, that was, uh, oh yeah, Slave to the Grind, yes, yes. Slave and the, grind. the first Kid Row, but I thought Slave to the Grind was better. But th- th- this is what was the peak for, except at least in the U.S., you know, not, not throughout the world, but there's a lot of great except. And if you were on the fence, like I used to be in the day, like, oh, I heard a couple songs, check out their discography, because it's solid, traditional metal. I fucking love this band, and, uh, I love this album. I want to I bring up an interesting point what happened to me. I bought the Blood of the Nation shirt when I saw the show. I bought the shirt, which is the album cover. And I remember wearing it at, uh, oh man, I can't remember what so- show, but it was one of those big amphitheater shows. And some guy, some drunk beer belly dude next to me was like, except, man, I haven't heard them in a long time. I was like, yeah, I just saw them like about a year ago. Oh, Really? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, is Udo still with him? I go, no. And he's like, oh, fuck it, man. Fuck them. Hey, it ain't except without Udo. Now, that kind of mentality, that's why that's, you're not a music fan, dude. You know, somebody the other day, hey, look, I, anybody that doesn't like Kiss with Tommy Thayer, and I can understand that. I don't either. But somebody actually wrote the other day on my Almost Human page, you know, because I, I brought up Monster. And one guy wrote, I refuse to listen to this album. Fuck this. Scott Kiss. It's like, dude, what if you like it, though? You're missing out on songs you may like. I mean, I still hate Kiss visually, but I love Monster. But And now, now there's people that hear Monster like, dude, this shit sucks. I respect that. But if you don't even want to give it a chance, I don't think you're a fan of music. Period. Now, well, I can understand if you don't want to listen to a Sammy Hagar album. Because come on, you, you know, there's a track record there where you don't like nothing that person ever did. You know, so you're not going to run out and listen to, it, listen to it. Like, I won't listen to The Circle and shit like that. Because right. I know it's going to have that guy's voice, so I can't get into it. But shit, you like stuff that had Paul Stanley or else he wouldn't be on my page. Or it's Gene Simmons. They both sing on Monster. So you may end up liking it. I'm not saying you will, but fuck, at least give it a chance. Or if you don't, then you're just not a fan of music. You judge with your eyes, not your ears. And that's what I feel about that beer belly guy at the amphitheater. If we ain't got Udo, fuck them. Right. You know? I, I, I mean, I understand what he's saying, but like, if you're that close-minded, that's the same guy who probably hasn't bought a new album since 1987. Oh, let me put it this way. It was a solid year after the album came out. Is Udo still with them? Well, you're not even keeping up with Except, so you're not even a fucking fan. Right, so if you don't keep up with metal, and there's so many of my friends that I grew up with that we were the metalheads, and I could count on one finger, I mean, on one hand, the people who are still involved in the scene and even, I can't, know, and I, even know what's I, going on. I can't name one until the thrash explosion happened. Then I can name like maybe a handful of people that used to go to the thrash shows. But pre-thrash, 
Not one metalhead I know. Like I see, I saw one of them at Iron Maiden. That's like, he'll only go see Iron Maiden, you know, cause it's, it's his favorite band or, or, or if I go see Judas Priest, but they won't go see like, you know, uh, Man of War, or, you know, or an Accept, right. you know, when right. Accept played. These are the same people that went to go see Accept with me at Sunrise Musical Theater. They didn't go see him at the Culture Room, you know? You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I hear you. Sad. All right. All right. Well, Ralph, why don't you do your pick of the week? Starting off. Fuck. All right. <laughs> My pick of the week is something I just brought up. It's a Michael Wagner album, uh, Slave to the Grind, Skid Row. Uh, my second favorite, it's most people's favorite Skid Row album. Uh, mine would be uh, Subhuman Race, but I love Slave to the Grind. I remember Slave to the Grind is one of those albums that on first listen, it just grabbed me. It was like, bam, loved it. I think the whole, I think the whole album is great, with the exception of Creep Show. For some reason, I can never get into that song Creep Show. But I love the rest of it, the threat. Fucking uh, the title track, Quicksand Jesus, Wasted Time, Riot Act, Get the Fuck Out, the the, the other track. Uh, there's two versions, and I own both versions. One, oh. ver one version brings um, Get the Fuck Out, and then there's the cleaner version that took that song out and put Beggar's Day. I, I, interesting uh, that you brought that up. Uh, Jimmy James Schwartz, uh, you know, he's on the Facebook page. Uh, a lot of times he tunes into my radio show. He goes, you know, and I'm asking for a request. He goes, oh, play uh, Skid Row Beggar's Day. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got all Skid Row. And then I'm looking for it, and I can't find it. I was like, what album is that on? He goes, oh, it's on the clean version of Slave to the Grind. I'm like, oh, well, that I don't have, and I never heard the song. And I, a couple people said, oh, don't worry, it sucks. But uh, No, it doesn't I'm suck, but you know what it is? It's a blatant ripoff of making a mess from the first album. Oh, okay. Right. It sounds so much like it, but it's All a right. good show. It's a good song. I mean, I love making a mess. So oh, I, it, I, I do too. It's the song that sounds the most from the first album. On because Slave of the Grind is more drier, heavier. It's a total. It's it's pretty much the at uh, a uh, Skid Row with balls. Where the first okay. one was more cock rocky. Even I did like like Piece of Me and Big Guns and Making oh, yeah. a Mess and Tornado. Uh, the midnight it did have its good songs, right. but for the most part, it wasn't really well, my thing. I, I'll tell you this: I never bought the first album until after I bought Slave the Grind because when they first came out, I didn't like them because I didn't like Youth Gone Wild. I didn't like any of the ballads. But then when Slave the Grind, well, actually, I saw them live before Slave the Grind, and they totally changed my mind. I was like, "Hey, this is a hard rocking band." I was like, "I like this." And then when Slay the Grind came out, I bought it. And then I went back and got the first album. I was like, wow, the shit that wasn't a single, I fucking loved. You know? Yeah, there you go. And and it's and, and it shot up to number one. That oh, yes. shows you how popular Skid Row, at that time, Skid Row, Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah. The two biggest bands. Oh, and Metallica. The three biggest bands oh, yeah. uh, going. And, uh, you know, and I'll, t I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't into Skid Row. Till I saw Monkey Business. Yeah. And great, I, great song. Yeah, and I go, man, this is... But, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't buy the album because of the strength of Monkey Business. But I liked it. I go, man, this is a good song. It wasn't until I saw the video of Slave to the Grind, I was like, oh, fuck this, I'm buying this album. Now, right. this song fucking rules. I mean, that song's borderline thrash. 
Right, Alex. And then when I played the album, I was like, oh, fuck, I gotta get the first album. This is fucking band rule. Then I had the first album, I was like, oh, uh, alright, Slave was much better. It did have its moments, but Slave right. is a much better album. And I think Slave has held on right, but a sad thing to say, Slave to the Grind is out of print. Oh, wow. You can't, I mean, I'm sure you can buy it on Amazon or wherever. It's everywhere you can get it, but they don't print that that album anymore. Wow. As, as far as I know, I don't think any Skid Row is uh, with Sebastian Bach is available uh, uh, as far as in print, except for 40 Seasons, The Greatest Hits. Oh, wow. All right, well, my pick of the week is another example of accepting a different singer. Accepting. Oh, my God, that's funny. All right, uh, this is the second album by Lynch Mob, simply titled Lynch Mob. And, uh, you know, I was a fan of the first album, a huge fan of George Lynch's guitar work. Uh, you know, I think one of the three greatest of the 80s, to me, my three greatest guitar players from the 80s uh, is George Lynch, Jakey e. Lee, and Warren D. Martini. And he wrote. I still consider Eddie Van Halen, uh, you know, of the 70s. Uh, but this is one... Uh, it, it didn't do as well as Wicked Sensation, but there's some great songs on here. Man, if, if you if you like George Lynch and you like Wicked Sensation, check out the self-titled Lynch Mob. It is my pick of the week. Great album. And I, I know Michael fucking J. Fox is jerking off right now just hearing about Lynch Mob. Yeah, he's dying for us to invite him on the show so we can review the uh, Wicked Sensation. I, I know, but does he realize that every time he's like, I was still waiting for you to invite me. Do you know that puts you off like another month? Yeah, right? Stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and plus, I got to do my homework. You know, I actually own Wicked Sensation, and I think I've only played it once. Huh? I, I, it, my fault. It's probably a great album, and I didn't let it sink in. I mean, I like the riff on Wicked Sensation, but I don't know, man. I heard the I, album and I was like, eh. I, I, I would love to hear your view on that. I would, I would love to see you make well, we'll it do cry. It. We'll, we'll do it. I, I'll, I'll, I'll start listening to it. I'll well, 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 here's the, I think we should do it, but we should have Lee Gersman on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be a dick. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. And invite that guy for an Iron Man yeah, review. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Ralph. For a change of pace, why don't you go and do a fan of the week? Yes, I was telling Ian earlier I had a fan of the week, and Ian was like, well, I think we had him as fan of the week. While I was like, well, he missed that episode. Because he kind of like, this is a guy that is without fail every single week in the chat room during the Dr. Fuck show on that metal station. His name is Ryan Madison. The and, second. Yeah, he doesn't, I, I kept, because... The thing is, he loves for me to say his name. And I kept saying it over and over and over again, but then he got kind of tired of me saying the second. So he's like, hey man, just oh. call me Ryan Madison. All right, so Ryan Madison is fan of the week. He's a great guy. He made a sign that said, Cleveland book thrasher die. I don't know what said on sign. I know it was something for Cleveland to book us over there. So he put the uh, a at a record store, he made like a little poster for Cleveland to book us to play there, which is great. And he took a picture of it, like standing in front of it. And I was very honored. And I hope it does work because not only would I love to play a show in Cleveland, 
But then while I'm there, I can kill two birds with one stone and go defecate in the front of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, there you go. So Ryan Madison, number two, like Poo Poo, <laughs> is our fan of the week. Yes, and uh, and I will say that one of our younger listeners, he's 15. Still he's yeah. 15. He's uh, still I'll a- tell you another thing. I, do, I, have, uh, I have a new segment on the Dr. Fuck show where I actually have a listener on the show. And what I do is we Skype, I record it, and then I put it on the show. And he was uh, on the, it's called Listener's Corner. So I had him on last night. Nice. And uh, yeah, we and his favorite guitar player is Randy Rhodes, and he's a big fan of Randy Rhodes, and he's 15 years old, and I fucking love that, you know. And uh, and not only is he a, a great fan of the show, he's a great kid. He's a wrestler. He's a football player. I mean, this is a kid on the right track. And uh, I, I I was talking about him on my radio show. I said, hey, someday this kid's going to be on a professional sports team and he's going to get me tickets. So I, I, I told him, I go, I'll play whatever you request because you're going to get me tickets. I hope he becomes a Raider. <laughs> I could have swore you were a fan of the week. Uh, you're such a diehard, I'd like to believe you've heard every episode. But well, he is Ryan Madison the second, so this is the second time he's fan of the week. All right, well, there you go. And uh, very proud for you. If this is your second time, you definitely earned it, brother. He probably is. I kind of remember, but the thing is, he never heard that episode. Because he right. was like, you never made me Fan of the Week. And I was thinking, I could have sworn we made you Fan of the Week. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the plug. Podbean. Check us out on Podbean, our home, uh, our main page, where there's links to everything, where you get every episode every Sunday morning. Go on there. You know, follow us. Uh, subscribe, whatever the fuck it is. Leave comments. You can leave if you join up. You can uh, follow us. Leave comments on the episodes. Uh, I love that kind of shit. Also, check us out on iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. That way, you get every episode. And also, leave a review. You leave a review, we're gonna read that shit on the air and make you famous. Cause people all over the world listen to this shit, and they will hear your name and hear your review. So be funny and give us five fucking stars. Also, check us out on that metal station where you can hear us twice a week. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. All right, while you're still on that metal station, check out a friend of ours, a big fan of the show. Mike Tyler has two shows. One on Tuesday that is strictly thrash, and another one that on Friday that just plays everything. Earpeeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt.
All right, KISS Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podkissed. The KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podkissed. Every month, the podkissed crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else. Whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast. Starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans and cult movie fanatics alike don't miss an episode of we watched it for you a guide to the lesser known movies of netflix available on itunes or wherever you download your podcast hello this is lee gerstman and i listen to a show called wadzilla rock it's on a station called thatmetalstation.com. I love the show. Ian Wadley does music heavy rock from when I was younger up until now, and he's got an extensive bunch of cool shit that he plays. And I love humping my dog in memory to those tunes. Check it out on Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Wadzilla Rock on ThatMetalStation.com. Thank you. Hey, 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 it's me, Bill Wang. Make sure you listen to the Dr. Fuck Show Thursdays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, the replay Sundays, 1 p.m., to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on thatmetalstation.com. Biddle diddle. Oh, yeah, I fucked up. Bam. All right. Well, if you love that episode, and we know you did, come back next week when we have one of the greatest actors of all time, Quint himself. Robert Shaw will be here. What? Yes. That's right, Chiefy. 
Oh, you mean, oh my God, if any actor I wanted to be resurrected from the dead is Robert Shaw, my dream came true. Boy, I can't wait to talk to him. I wonder what the other side is like. What does he want to review, Ian? Well, they tell me, he goes, you got your radar, your sonar, electric toothbrushes. And he says, and we also have Malice, the debut album in the beginning. <laughs> oh, and, that's awesome. And he wants to talk about it. And who, who am I to deny? So next week, it's fucking Quint. He said you can either pay the money up front, or you can play it cheap if you had welfare or whatever. <laughs> That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Here's the swimming with bow legged women. Nice. <laughs>